When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Alibeth Allman Real Estate Mental Performance Podcast, helping you increase your influence and impact by investing into becoming the best version of yourself. It's a great day to be with Team Alibeth. Let's join Keith, Aaron, and Brian with today's episode. Hey, how's it going? Brian Kane here with Aaron Young Garrett. This is the Team Alibeth Allman Real Estate Mental Performance Podcast, and we are in a little mini seminar right now where Aaron and I are breaking down the power of moments by Dan and Chip Heath. So if you're just picking up this episode, make sure that you check out our previous episodes where we break down uh, the book and how it applies to real estate, but also from a mental performance standpoint. And today we're going to talk about pride. And as the authors talk about the, the acronym EPIC, now they don't use the acronym EPIC, we do. I think it makes it a little bit more memorable and easier. And if you think about a moment, a moment that it, that sticks out above everything else for our clients is it's a moment of elevation where it just rises above. It's different than every day. It's a moment of, of P, pride, where uh, they, they're proud about what's happening. It's a moment of insight where they learn something about themselves or a moment of connection. So we've already broken down elevation. We've broken down insight. Today, we're talking about pride. And pride, they break down into three chapters, recognizing others, multiplying milestones, and practicing courage. So Aaron, super excited to get after the pride component of the power of moments with you. Uh, talk to us about kind of pride and, you know, maybe start with the importance of recognizing others, chapter seven. You know, that was, that was one of the biggest things that they talked about was saying, finding a way to say, I saw what you did and I appreciate it. And that's what really stuck out. And I know, you know, it's, um, it's easy to come up with those things when you're more of an office setting, but when you apply it to real estate, you know, and really from the agent's perspective of working with their client, you know, when you walk into a house, it's, you know, you look at like, if you notice that they worked hard on getting their house ready for showings or, you know, and just sort of saying, thank you for doing that. You know, it goes, those little points of recognition go farther than you think. And all those little points add up for when, you know, the point where you're in a situation and you've got to deliver some news that's not so great, like, hey, you know, we've finally got an offer, but it's not where we want it to be. You know, they've built, it builds loyalty is what it does. And that's, and that's why I found this to be so, so great for you know, applying it to real estate for an agent. It's like, you can find all the places along the way to acknowledge the effort that went into something when you don't think it's going to pay off in the end. Yeah. I think in the other, other elements of recognizing others too, right. Is if you know, you're meeting with a, a prospective buyer and checking out their LinkedIn, checking out their social media, what can you learn about this person and how can you recognize maybe some things that they they've accomplished to try to build that moment of pride with them around something, you know, for example, let's say you went to link, went to LinkedIn and you saw that somebody had graduated from TCU, 
You know, you may say, oh, I saw that you graduated from TCU, you know, go frogs, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is, you're having a conversation about that so that there's a way that you recognize some of the accomplishments that they've had, even though that might've been years past, it's still something that people will hold onto and will allow them to feel that moment of pride. That's, that's true. And this, and this chapter, it has a lot of great examples of that and working through um, moments of pride. I know there were some that stood out to you. Yeah, one of the ones that I thought was really interesting was actually a piece of the research that said um, it was done by done by a, a group called Wiley, and they said that more than eighty percent of supervisors, this is interesting, leaders, more than eighty percent of supervisors supervisors claim they frequently express appreciation to their subordinates, while less than twenty percent of the employees report that their supervisors express appreciation more than occasionally. They call it the recognition gap. So the issue is as a leader, right? You you think you're providing this recognition to your team 80% of the time, but 20% of the time they feel like they're getting that recognition. So that recognition gap is where pride is missing. It's where those moments of recognition are lacking. And I just think about in my world, you know, I've have uh, a team member, Jacob, who, who is fantastic and he's been with us for just over a year. And I didn't recognize the year anniversary because I never wrote down the date that he got started. So I missed an opportunity on that. But those are, uh, those are things that I think we want to just be intentional with. Now that I've read the book, as we're going into it, we want to be more intentional with keeping track of those dates on our calendar so we can make a point of emphasis about those. You know, in regards to that point too, you always think, I always, for some reason to me that came back to, I don't know if you've ever read the book, the five love languages or like how people feel appreciated. And that's, you know, um, like, for example, I'm someone that likes just time. I like somebody's time. That's all I need. I don't need someone to give me a lot of positive affirmation or or again I don't need gifts or any of that but like like if we're gonna if we're gonna celebrate my birthday I just want everybody to spend lunch together Hmm. and I don't need cards I don't need you know everybody say happy birthday but just their time and then I feel celebrated Hmm. but I think that's one of the things is that we we miss sometimes is like it's not just about saying thank you but it's saying thank you in a way that they also appreciate that too yeah, and so okay. that was that that rang really true to me was, you know, um, when someone makes an effort, say thank you in a way that whether it's just, you know, a little note on their desk or, you know, sometimes even as simple as like a little jar of candy or, you know, just something little that mm-hmm. acknowledges it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, the five love languages by Gary Chapman. It's one of the one of the best books I've ever read. And I read it probably in 2000. I can tell you exactly when I read it. We've been 2010 fall. And I remember reading it. I've looked at it multiple times since then. And as a mental performance coach, when I first met my wife, now Aaron, um, I had, we went through it like within maybe the first two or three months we were together. And, you know, that's what happens when you, when you marry a mental performance coach who's obsessed with, with learning. And it was interesting because in the book, right, the acronym that they use about the five love languages, and, and I, I created the acronym, it's not in the book, but it's how I remember it and how I can teach from it is GAS T2, GIFTS acts of service, um, or no, sorry, gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service, time and touch. 
So when you think about recognizing people and building those moments of pride, you might do the recognition like these supervisors are talking about, right. but your person doesn't receive it, right? So I know for, for me, it's interesting. Uh, my, the way I, my love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service. Well, if you think about it, I write and I speak for a living. And I feel like I'm always really busy and there's never enough time. So if somebody can do something for me, like, oh my God, you made food. That's amazing. I get to actually eat because I wouldn't eat otherwise. Or, oh my God, you, you, you mowed the lawn when I had one. So I didn't have to do that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Because then I don't have to do those things, right? So the, the understanding of the five love languages, and they actually have a, 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 an assessment on their website. If you go to fivelovelanguages.com that people can take just from a, from a general recognition standpoint. But if you, if you at least know getting started, the way that people feel recognition, connection, and love goes from gifts, acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, quality touch. You're setting yourself up because you know the game that you're playing to build those moments of pride and connection. I, yeah, that's what I think too. Get rid of that disc, that disconnection that they've got there between, um, people. Yeah, the recognition, but right? The recognition. The recognition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So when we talk about recognizing others, like thank you notes, gratitude cards. And one of the things they mentioned here, which I've never done, but, but it sounds like it's amazing is a gratitude visit. And right. a gratitude visit is where you just show up to someone's office, someone's house, a former client, and you just knock on the door and say, just stopping by to say, thank you so, so much for being a client. And that's all I wanted to say. Hope your day is going great. People would be like, what? You know, and then the, yeah. and it shows here, it says researchers, researchers have found that if you conduct a gratitude visit, this is on page 157 for the diehards that are following along with us, uh, but researchers have found that if you conduct a gratitude visit, you feel a rush of happiness afterward. And in fact, it's one of the most pronounced spikes that have ever been found in any positive psychology intervention. So the importance of gratitude in the two big words, thank you. Yeah. And just applying that to real estate, if you go show on a block that you're, you know, that you already sold on, Mm -hmm. just texting that person saying, Hey, I'm showing down the street. When to check in. So grateful you're on the street. You Mm -hmm. know, I might be bringing you, you know, just something might be bringing you a new neighbor would love for you to meet them Uh, or how to start a school, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. All those, I mean, taking a selfie in front of the house and sending it to him and said, Hey, just wanted you to know I was checking in to make sure everything's okay. You know, yeah. place looks great. Just something like that. You know, something, something to keep that connection going. What a great idea. Right. Uh, they moved to chapter eight, talking about multiplying milestones. Another concept that I was like, ah, I can totally do this, but I don't, you know, t- t- talk about the multiplying milestones and how you feel like that could work, whether it's, you know, as an agency with your agents or maybe as an agent with their customers, clients. In, in this chapter, you know, the, it we talked about being creative on how to celebrate the little milestones. And in real estate, it's very easy to go from deal to deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people forget to celebrate what an accomplishment it is. And generally, there's like 27 to 30 steps in getting somebody from start to closing. Mm-hmm. And there's a big high at the beginning when you finally get under contract. And then there's a lot of lows in the middle, you know, between you know, the inspection period and the option and the financing and all these, you know, little hiccups that come up. And then you're back at another high when you close. And so this, this chapter, you know, just like what you were saying, it's, it's a matter of just celebrating all those, those little points we got, we got to contract, we got to, you know, through option period, we got through financing period, we got through the appraisal, 
you know, we got through the inspection and, and here we are. And, um, you know, I just, I thought this, this chapter was one of the most eye-opening in regards to applicability to, you know, an agent in the process with their client. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned there's how many steps in a transaction, 27 to 30, roughly? Yeah. 27 to 30, depending on where you are. It's funny. Cause I was, I was sitting there before you started to, to mention that number, I go, man, that would be a really cool way to do this with milestones is if the real estate agent gave me as the buyer or as the seller, like, Hey, here's all the checkpoints. Here's your checklist. So keep this on your desk. And as we go through, when these things happen, we're going to celebrate each one of these and we're going to check them off and we're going to see this thing to close. Cause I've never had any idea where we were at or what was going right. on. I'm like, I'm just hoping this thing doesn't fall through instead of looking, looking to go, okay, here's where we're at. Here's the next step. Now, the problem with that is if you have a client like me, I'm going to be hitting the real estate agent going, when are we getting the next step? When are we getting the next step? Why isn't it happening yet? Right. And sometimes those things take a while, but if you, um, if you have that checklist, that creates those those milestone moments, right? So maybe it's uh -huh. like, maybe when you first start with somebody, okay, first thing we're going to do is we're going to find you the house that you want. And we find the house you want, next step is we're going to make an offer. We're going to get that offer accepted. Then we're going to do the inspection, boom, boom, boom. So that as the buyer, I can go, okay, this is how this rolls. And we're going to check it all the way through. And then when it's done, as the agent, how about this? As the agent, you share with the buyer or the seller, save that checklist. And if I'm a buyer and I'm a first time home buyer and I make it through all the way to that checklist and I sign on the bottom place for real estate agent, place for buyer, boom. And then you take it and like you get it framed and you put it up somewhere in their office. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that could be kind of cool for somebody, you know, and not, not, a, not a very big expense either. And I think it creates those milestones, at least keeps people engaged along the journey. That is, it's so true. And there, I mean, some of those, some people might be, get overwhelmed, but it is, you know, it is a lot of, it's a lot of steps that you don't realize that either, you know, you're a long way to go or that you've accomplished so much in the process. But, you know, in this book, they did a great job of, I think the example was like, everybody wants to learn another language or Spanish in particular. And instead of just saying like, oh, I'm going to get through chapter one in a week and chapter two in a week of whatever, they put it into order of meal in Spanish have a conversation with somebody in Spanish, you know, um, glance and understand a newspaper article in Spanish, follow a Spanish cartoon, and then read a kindergarten level book in Spanish. And like, you know, what a different way to look at, you know, basically going through five chapters of, you know, a, a book on in Spanish on how to learn it. Mm, Much yeah. more fun. Yeah, for sure. Kind of given that that step-by-step -step plan and process. Uh, page 175, one of my favorite authors of all time is a guy named Cal Newport. And if you've listened to my Mental Performance Daily podcast, you know that every Monday I break down an optimized book of the week. And one of my favorite books I've ever listened to is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it's ironic that he's mentioned here in this chapter. And it says, Cal Newport an author and computer, computer science professor, which they left out. He's at Georgetown. He graduated from MIT. He said he spent years studying the habits of successful people. From my experience, he says, the most common trait you will consistently observe in accomplished people, every, every agent listening to this, you want to be thrown in that group of those accomplished people, is an obsession with completion. Mm -hmm. Once a project falls into their horizon, they crave almost compulsively to finish it. Interesting. What do you got on that, Aaron? Well, the the joke is real estate agents are big to-do list people. That That's one of the things is, is they love checking off a to-do list and mm. getting stuff done and how rewarding that is. So it's so true. Um, but it's, you know, that I, I mean, that goes back to like, 
I think there's something to be said for, you know, taking the client with you on that to-do list, you know, in the process, whether it's Mm. buying or selling, but, you know, completing the transaction and taking them through your to-do list. I think they'll, you know, I honestly also, as we talk about this, I think that'll help them. We have to justify our commission a lot. And I think that also will help people understand, you know, the commission rates and why they are what they are. Cause it's, you know, it's, it looks like at the end of the day, when they think it's a simple process that you got overpaid for, but when they see the amount of stress that went through it, like you realize why it's, you know, why it is at 6% for a deal, Mm. you know? Yeah. On both sides. On both sides. That's, you know, three and three on each side, but, um, you know, sort of taking them through that process, but it's so true. And just like, you know, we were talking about earlier is, you know, the running the marathons and that four hour mark is such a big mark for people to finish. Yeah. It's in, on page 174, right? They show this little graph of finishing time and one minute increments. And now people are obsessed with like goals and finished in times. Right. And they show at the three hour mark, three thirty, four hour, four thirty five, five and a half, six, six thirty seven. There's a massive spike in the time. It's an, it's a graph that shows every minute of marathoners when they finish. And the big spikes are right at those minute marks of like the hours or the half an hours, because people like to have that, that milestone, right? They're created a milestone in their mind. It's why like with Fitbit, when you get 10,000 steps, it's like you get a certain badge or you get this recognition and the way that they build that recognition program into their app keeps people hooked. But I think as an agent, if you're going to start, you know, you're going to start that, that, um, um, uh, the, the recognizing of others. If you're going to start multiplying those milestones, it's going to take practicing courage. And that's chapter nine, right? In chapter nine, right. where they talk about practicing courage, which is like being the first one, doing something that maybe hasn't been done, doing something that maybe has been done, but you haven't done. There's a big psychological hurdle, right? And I share the example of there's three frogs sitting on a log and one decided to jump. How many frogs are left? Most people say two. There's actually three because just because it decided to jump doesn't mean that it jumped because if you're going to decide and then take action, there's a thing called courage that it's going to take. So Aaron, if you would unpack the importance of courage for, for our agents and listeners. You know, this, this is really hard to do. And it's a, it's, I thought this was a pivotal point in the book. And, you know, when you apply it to real estate, you know, there's so many things. And like we were talking about earlier about when you practice your scripts on, you know, how to ask for a listing or how to ask for a referral or how to defend your commission or, you know, how to negotiate the contract. When you practice what you're going to say, you know, you're more likely to have the courage to say it and stand up for yourself or your client in the moment. Mm. And this, this was, and then on top of that, you know, when you're doing the right thing, it's the residual effect that people follow you and doing that right thing. And, and to be honest, you know, one of the things is, you know, honesty is a big, you know, when you sit down at a listing appointment and people always think their home is worth more than it is, you know, and you, you don't want to tell them it's not, but you want to, you know, I always politely say, well, you know, that price is on the more aggressive side. Our range based on the numbers is here. But if this is where you're comfortable starting, we can start there. But I just want you to understand this is what the statistics are telling us. Mm. And, and, but the, you know, and eventually like they buy in, you know, and it's, or Allie Beth just told a great story that, 
she was, um, you know, that's the head of our firm. And she was working with a client who was a billionaire moving here from California and kept going to her with all this stuff. And so finally the guy called and he's just always a little rough around the edges with her. And, you know, and kind of, I would say it, she made it sound, he, her words were rude. And so she just finally said to him, you know what? I don't think you need me. So why don't you just do this on your own? And uh, I think you'll, you know, you clearly have the information. You're getting it from somewhere and it's not me. So I think, I don't think you need me. And he went out and about a month later, he called her back and very humbled and said, I do need you. And <laughs> I've lost two deals now. <laughs> and you know, and he, and they have a great relationship now, but you know, it was just that straightforwardness of like, you know what, you're, you're finding the information wherever you're getting it. And you, you know, you're trusting that over my expertise and, you know, so you don't need me. Mm. And, and it was a very honest conversation, but you know, it worked to her favor. And I love that, you know, the, the way that you broke down that interaction with the seller that thinks their house is worth more than, than what the numbers would say, the way mm -hmm. that you just said that, Right. If people rewind this about a minute and a half, two minutes, you'll hear Aaron say it again. I would encourage you to do that, especially if you're a real estate agent. And if you're not a real estate agent, I appreciate you listening to this anyway, because you're obviously into the mental game or you're into the power of moments, but I'm not sure why you're listening to this other than maybe you're just looking to get better. And that's good enough reason for me. So the, the, but if you rewind that piece, the, the conversation that you had, when they talk about moments of courage, the importance of role playing. In role playing is practicing what you're going to do before you get there, right? They call it in a psychology context, the implementation intentions, right? And they show the example of the lady who says, if I go to dinner and I have one glass of wine and they come around to pour another one, she says, I will make sure I ask for a club soda with a lime. Like she knew what she was going to do, right? It's, it's the reason why we do uh, in athletics, we practice the routine and we practice the reset routine. So as the hitter who doesn't like the umpire's call, Keith Conlon had a lot of those. He doesn't like the umpire's call. He's going to have something to go to where he steps out and practices what he's going to do to let go of that pitch and get on to the next one. So the role play from a mental game standpoint of how do I handle the adversity, right? If I'm a golfer and I hit a, I, I, I'm in a pressure situation and I pull a drive, how am I going to handle that? Well, I don't want to, I don't want the first time I practice what I'm going to do to be on the course. I want to have practiced that on the range. And people look at me like I'm crazy and they go, you know, you got to practice pulling the ball. I go, yeah, cause he's going to do it in a tournament. And if he knows how to pull it, then he can probably know how to hit it the other way too. So I'm going to practice you pulling this ball. All right, let's do that. Now practice how you're going to release it if you weren't doing that intentionally. And it's been huge because it's like practicing the release. But what we're talking about here in moments of courage is I know how I, I want to practice acting courageous before I need to in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I think the power of the role play for the agents, and it can be with a, with a coach, it can be with an advisor or a mentor, but it can also be by yourself. What are some key role, key aspects, like you said, Aaron, of the real estate agent working with the, the seller who thinks her house is worth more than the numbers would show? What might be two other areas that, that are going to be common for agents that they're going to want to role play and get better with? You know, in most recently and right now, the low inventory in the market. So setting the expectations of what's going on in the market you know, people in years past, people have not had to be, let's say, pre-qualified or really working with a lender pretty closely up until this point. But like now all the risk is on the buyer and the sellers got, you know, the least risk. So when, you know, explaining to the client, whoever's got the least, you know, the offer with the least risk to the sellers, probably the, in, at the highest price is probably the one that's going to win it. So if you're willing to 
you know, do all your pre-work on your financing and make sure you're approved, you know, make, you know, be willing to waive your appraisal. You know, that's a, that's a big one and a big risk to a buyer, but if they're willing, you know, setting the expectations to the buyer on those types of situations is a big deal. And then on the other side of it, even on the selling side, you know, with, with the inventory low and these prices so high, you know, um, the agent is having to educate a good agent is educating their client on what to do with the funds because you know there's major tax consequences when you profit over if you're a single person and you have profit over 250,000 or a married couple over 500,000 you know you start paying capital gains tax on that so you know being able to have the knowledge to educate them on what's you know here's some things in the next process or you know, here are some, some things to consider before we sell or things like that um, or types of, you know, situations. And, you know, it's a fine line to walk because you're not a CPA, mm. but you got to be prepared to give them the information. And of course, like there's always the scripts of, you know, defending your commission, how you're going to get the listing, how you're going to ask for the referral, you know, all of those types of things too. It's awesome. Awesome. Talking about building those, those moments. And we're talking about moments of pride, recognizing others, multiplying milestones and practicing courage. Uh, lots of good nuggets. I think that we can take away and implement here. Again, we are breaking down the power of moments, Dan and Chip Heath. Next, next podcast is going to be on the connection and that will be our last to wrap up this book. And that wraps up this podcast. Aaron, thank you for being here. Appreciate your time and energy as always. And it's a great day to be with team Allie Beth. Let's dominate the day. I appreciate you. Thank you.